You're listening to The Sport Market. Here to rack the bulls and bears of sport business. Your host, Tom Mayonect. We are rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business here on the Sport Market Radio Network and, of course, the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's our new home for a show that's 15 years in the making. And with big shout-out and thanks to the entire team here at Rogers and Sportsnet Radio, including Sportsnet 650 Program Manager Canberra, Chad Day, and the entire on-air and behind-the-scenes team of the um, uh, Sportsnet 650. Uh, We're very happy uh, to have a new home and to be here with you. And of course, to our new listeners, welcome aboard. This is a show that focuses exactly on the business of sport, on the bulls and bears of sport business. Everything from sport economics and sport law to sport marketing and sport management, sport media and sport broadcast, and even sport licensing and sport philanthropy. Anything on the business, the intersection point between business and sport is fair game for the sport market. For those of you um, uh, finding us here and, and, and who have been with us uh, over the last 15 years, uh, thanks for coming back. We're really happy to be here with you after our extended summer hiatus. Bulls and bears, here we come for another hour of sport business talk. We're going to be joined by John Fessinger, former executive vice president business operations for Canuck Sports and Entertainment, uh, talk about the uh, upcoming NHL season and also get his thoughts on our podium that we'll get to in just a couple of moments. And we've also got Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, our trading card expert. He'll join us from the team at Pastime Sports and Games. Uh, The Montreal Card Show is is this weekend and it begins a series of big card shows across the country and of course the timing is perfect with the new National Hockey League season underway but before we get to any of that here's our podium of the top three sport business stories of the week top three sports business stories of the week Here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. In the bronze medal position, our number three sport business story of the week, it's Brock Purdy in particular and the San Francisco 49ers in general. They're 4-0 coming out of the gates, and it's not just that they're undefeated, it's how they've gotten to 4-0 behind the consistent quarterbacking of Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. He's now 9-0 in games as a starter for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, when any team in the National Football League starts to get to the territory of five or six games undefeated, inevitably, you begin to have the bandwagon. You begin to have the additional buzz, the additional scrutiny. Uh, You saw it with the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of years ago, uh, but not since 1972 has a team gone from start to finish, and by finish I mean the Super Bowl, uh, going undefeated. Of course, the New England Patriots, 2008, were very, very close um, until they met... um, 
uh, Eli Manning and the New York uh, Giants. And of course, the Tyree helmet catch, which is one of the all time amazing plays in NFL Super Bowl history. Uh, Those Patriots were just that close to becoming a second undefeated NFL championship team. Now, not to say that the 49ers are there, but they've got so much depth. They've got so many star game-changing kinds of players that Brock Purdy can continue to be just Brock Purdy, and that might be enough to get them to not only a divisional title, but to the NFC Championship, if not the Super Bowl. When it's any team, you're going to get a lot of attention when you're undefeated, getting to the midpoint, and that's still two, three weeks away in this NFL season. But when you're a heritage brand with the kind of national following that the San Francisco 49ers have on the strength of their six Super Bowl uh, uh, championships and, of course, the Joe Montana era, the Steve Young era, there's a lot of history there. The buzz of going undefeated, the buzz of having such a strong start is only that much stronger. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports has got the spotlight on Brock Purdy. Clinical, clinical. And, you know, we can have conversations about if Trey Lance was the right pick. Clearly he was, he was not. But if you want to make yourself feel better, just assume Brock Purdy went third overall and Trey Lance was a seventh round pick. Because at the end of the day, he is the man in which the offense runs through. And he's incredibly tough. He's incredibly smart. He does exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do. And I don't care who you are or if you have that that childish grin there. <laughs> don't be fooled, Joe. 20 to 21, 283, and no turnovers. That's all you need. And you mentioned the playmakers. You don't need to do a lot. You have Christian McCaffrey, you have Ayuk, you have Devo Samuel when he's sitting on all cylinders. So there's reasons for optimism in terms of just playing within the confines of the offense. That's what receiver Brock Purdy. And oh, by the way, that defense gets after it. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports Radio on Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. He mentions their defense. This is a very, very well-balanced team and a very well-coached team uh, for that uh, matter going into week five. In the silver medal position, our number two sport business story of the week, WNBA expansion in particular and the continued growth and power of women's sport professionally. It's not a surprise to me that one of the best governed franchises in the NBA and one of the best in North American sport is the holder of a WNBA expansion franchise. Joe Lacob, the uh, head of the consortium that gives the Golden State Warriors and their $7 billion franchise valuation, the integrity and, and, and the depth that they have in terms of decision-making processes, well, in their market, the right call was to be first in line for a WNBA franchise, to go along with their Golden State Warriors and play out of the Chase um, uh, Center in downtown San Francisco. On the other side of the coin, disappointment in Toronto, where Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment has pulled its bid for WNBA expansion. And a lot of insiders telling me there was a real appetite from the NBA to make sure that the WNBA had Canadian presence um, in 2025 when this expansion will take uh, credit, now will take effect. Now, the reality is 
There might still be some changes and some reconsideration, but there was disagreement at the board table, according to reports at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. And Ed Rogers and 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 company saw things one way. Masai Ujiri and company saw things another way. Ujiri very much being a proponent of bringing the WNBA to Toronto. But on the Golden State Warriors side of things, again, for Joe Lacob, no surprise that they were this aggressive with their bid. We're getting a team in the Bay Area, and we're for me personally, this is a very, very exciting moment to fulfill a dream that I've always had for women's basketball. And not only is Joe Lacob excited, but Steph Curry, who has transformed the NBA from a three-point shooting perspective, he also issued his own welcome. Just want to welcome the WNBA to the Bay Area. Looking forward to having y'all. Can't wait to see y'all thrive at the highest level. Let's get it. So the Golden State Warriors and whatever they wind up calling their WNBA franchise will be a really strong one-two punch in uh, the Bay Area of Northern California, of San Francisco. And bottom line, it's another feather in the cap for the global marketing strategy of basketball that is led by the NBA. Uh, You've got teams, they've got their NBA franchise, They've got a WNBA franchise that they also own and operate. They've got a EA um, Sports NBA 2K franchise, a video gaming franchise, and of course they've got the Gatorade League, the G League. All those things are packaged, and you've got obviously about a dozen of them having entries in all of those different categories. That's what you call 360 degrees business development and and cross-marketing when you own an NBA team, but you also own the WNBA team, your NBA 2K video gaming team, and your G League team. In the gold medal position, though, our number one sport business story of the week, Major League Baseball and the Toronto Blue Jays, both disappointed with the wildcard round. Oh, do they pick it up? Oh, they got him. Oh, what a mistake by Vlad Guerrero. He's signaling to the dugout. He thinks he got in. Oh, did they bail out Sonny Gray? That, of course, one of a series of inexplicable moves on the field by the Toronto Blue Jays, but certainly not the only talking point. There were a lot of decisions made in the dugout, a lot of decisions made apparently going into the game by the front office that will take a lot of explaining to do over the course of these coming days, over the course of uh, these coming um, uh, uh, weeks and months. But it's certainly not the off season that the Toronto Blue Jays were looking for, especially given all of the hype that greeted this team last spring training. The pitching wasn't the issue. Even in this short two-game loss to the Minnesota Twins, the pitching was, was, was not the issue. The starting pitching was certainly not the issue. The defense was not the issue. But some of the decisions, the mental awareness and decisions on the base pass and the offense in general... That's what was so inexplicable about this Blue Jays team. As I mentioned in the first National Hour 
of the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network. You can talk about Jose Barrios, which was an inexplicable, inexcusable move to me. You can talk about some of the base running errors, but the culture that was shown by the way they went to town on their celebration, it almost made it seem that, hey, you know what? This is good. We've done what we came here for. Well, that's not what the Toronto Blue Jays and their fans and their corporate partners and their broadcast partners were looking for. They were looking for a deep run. They were looking to be World Series contenders. They were looking to create the kind of excitement that 2015 and 2016 brought. None of that is on the table. The Minnesota Twins are advancing. But it's not only the Jays who are disappointed. Major League Baseball and its broadcast rights holders have to be disappointed with the wild card round. What you want is four wild card series going the distance of three games each. You want to get to that destination television, that destination radio of knowing there's going to be a winner and a loser. And that comes in a game three in a three-game series. MLB didn't get a sniff of that this time around. And that's got to be a disappointment. Hopefully more competitive series now in the divisional rounds as the Twins move on. The Jays wonder what could have been. We'll get into more of this with John Festinger next, right here on the Sport Market. We're rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network. This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manette. Our podium of the top three sport business stories of the week has MLB in the gold medal position, but not necessarily in the way they want it to be in the gold medal position. They would have loved at least a couple of games, a series going to three games. They didn't get that at all. And that was a disappointment, not just to the Toronto Blue Jays, of course, one of those teams who were swept out very efficiently by the Minnesota Twins. You want to go the distance with these series. You want to get to a sudden death or a sudden victory scenario because that brings in so many casual sports fans, casual baseball fans. Um, some of them don't you know, necessarily tune in until the playoffs. And even then... It takes a little bit of extra prodding to put them in front of their device or the television or whatever it is. No Game 3 for the Blue Jays. No Game 3 for Major League Baseball. Silver medal position. Biggest sport business stories of the week. WNBA expansion. Golden State Warriors are in and all in on behalf of the Joe Lacob ownership group. Toronto Raptors and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment no longer in. They've withdrawn their bid for a WNBA franchise, disappointing a lot of people, including those within the organization. Uh, We'll get into more of that in the coming weeks here on the sport market. And in the bronze medal position, San Francisco 49ers at 4-0. Brock Purdy continues to be Brock Purdy. He's come such a long way from being that last seventh round um, uh, draft pick and and being known as Mr. Irrelevant, self-proclaimed Mr. Relevant. What a story. And especially if the 
team and Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan and company uh, uh, wind up being as balanced as they are, they'll continue to be at the top of the charts, at the top of the NFL power rankings. Very happy to have with us here on the Sport Market, on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network, John Festinger. Uh, he's former executive vice president, business operations for Canuck Sports and Entertainment and longtime contributor, of course, to the sport market. Uh, let's start with the Toronto Blue Jays. Never is a two-game sweep good news, especially when it's the second year in a row that it happens to you in the third and four years. But when you've got a $330 million stadium renovation that is going into the critical year two, uh, you want a lot more buzz. You want a lot more promise for the future. And John, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, Having been born and, and growing up as a Montreal Expos fan, uh, certainly became a Toronto Blue Jays uh, fan, uh, moving to Toronto back in the day and being there for the uh, 1993 uh, World Series, the the three-run home run walk-off by Joe Carter, uh, that was a time where the Jays were kings of that big Toronto media market. I can't recall. It wasn't in 2015. It wasn't in 2016. We're obviously a disappointment that they didn't make it to the World Series those years. But I can never recall the amount of disappointment, if not anger, that I'm seeing on the social media uh, uh, platforms and on a call-in sports talk radio. Why do you think there's a heightened degree of frustration around this team and where it ended up uh, two games and out against the Minnesota Twins? Well, it's a combination of a, of a, a number of things. I mean, first of all, this is a team that has won a championship. There have, you know, it becomes a legacy team just for doing that. Secondly, it's Canada's team. It's our only baseball team. Uh, yes, my heart breaks that, that the Expos no longer exist, as, do, as does yours, but... Um, the, the, the Blue Jays represent much more than Toronto. So the frustration is going to be geographically quite broad and reinforced throughout Canada. But, but ultimately, when you see a team that on paper looks like it should be much better than it is, uh, and then it, then it proves to be, that gap um, tells you that there's something wrong, whether it's in... Uh, how the team is being uh, managed, how it's being general ma- general managed, or how it's being owned. There's something um, deeper going on. And I think for most of us as fans, it's very frustrating because we can't see behind uh, the curtain in a way. So we, we get this generalized frustration that something's wrong and we can't diagnose it properly. Uh, I know there's a lot of places where, you know, I can can weigh in on this and we you know we can do what a lot of others have done which is really question the um uh pulling of jose barrios uh after 47 uh, pitches when it looked like he was really dialed in um questioning uh vladdy guerrero jr's uh mental presence and 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 experience and 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 poise on the base paths uh beau bichette 
um, you know, going through the stop sign, uh, you know, maybe an issue as well. But none of those add up to one run in 18 innings. And the offense certainly has not been, especially in clutch situations, what it should have been. Compare the disappointment of the Blue Jays stars with what Carlos Correa did for the Minnesota Twins coming off of the injured list and basically showing incredible mental and physical acumen, game-changing, game-saving plays. The Jays didn't get that from their big stars. Well, the the frustration is about underperformance. And it's that gap, as you just perfectly described it. And that's what tells you there's something more going on. Is it in the locker room? Um, what is it? Uh, you know, you and I, a long time ago, were very disappointed uh, on this show uh, with Mark Shapira coming in and replacing Alex Anthopoulos. Um that somehow didn't make sense because Alex Anthopoulos seemed to have a magic to get the Blue Jays to overperform to their talent. There was there was some magic in the air. But the fact that there's no magic in the air, I think, is what's really frustrating Blue Jays fans. So I want to come back to the ghost of Alex Anthopoulos and the ghost of uh, Paul Beeston as well and, and, and how difficult that is for Mark Shapiro and for Ross Atkins. We'll get back into that in a couple of seconds, but you mentioned culture, and I am I right there with you. And culture is a hard thing to get to, but it's also an easy thing to get to because you need to just be aware of what you want to be and how you want to do uh, business. To me, I thought it was absolutely silly season for the Jays after losing their last two games at home, including the last one. Four of the last six in that last homestand and six of the last 10 games literally backing into the playoffs and needing a very underperforming Seattle Mariners uh, uh, team and sort of an on again, off again, Houston Astros and and Texas Rangers to stay in, in the run. To do the celebration that they did, to me, reflects the cultural issue that you raised. Uh, you know, over-celebrating in sports clearly is a cultural problem. Uh, as a footnote, I'll say you can always count on the Mariners to underperform. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, okay. You know, be careful, <laughs> be careful. Uh, you know, I'll tell you something. They certainly didn't underperform against the Blue Jays a year ago. No. Um, and, you know, I, I expect that that rivalry, I think both teams will undergo quite a bit of change. But that's the last one I have for you from a sport business and from a sport governance point of view. When you have this kind of disappointment, this kind of clear, abject failure to get to, you know, where you thought you were going to get to, change appears to be inevitable. Where do you think the change has to be first. Well, I I think that Shapira and crew have had their run, and I think there there needs to be a change because this kind of change needs to come from the top down. Uh, if I can add kind of one footnote, the, this whole story of the Blue Jays 
disappointment um, runs over into the NHL season because aren't we going to look a lot more closely at Brendan Shanahan and the Maple Leafs, you know, and did did the right person leave? Should Dubas be there and Shanahan be gone, which would have been, you know, my view of the world. And it sort of runs in parallel with the Shapira and Fopolis story. Um, so interesting times in Toronto. Well, and, and, and I'll just put as a footnote this issue of the ghosts of Alex Anthopoulos and Paul Beeston because it's a very tough situation to come into when you're an American with no Toronto roots and you're filling the void of not one but two Canadian-born baseball executives. Um, Paul Beeston, one of the most loved executives in the history of Canadian professional sport. And the boy wonder at the time, Alex Anthopoulos, all that he's done as the Jays have had these you know, high expectations, but unfulfilled expectations is, is, is when he was assistant uh, uh, to the general manager with the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers uh, joining that front office in a world series campaign. He's taken the Atlanta Braves to one world series and he's got the makings of an annual contender. there, arguably one of the best teams ever in Major League Baseball history, the way they did this season. Um, I remember how engaged Alex Anthopoulos was with Canadian baseball fans and television audiences. That isn't something that Ross Atkins or Mike, Mark Shapiro can do because they don't have that 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 Canadian connection. And I'm not saying you have to be a Canadian executive to manage a Canadian team, far from it. But I do think that the way Mark Shapiro has governed, has managed the team, is the exact opposite of what you'd think you'd want to do. You'd want to be more visible. You want to be uh, acknowledging the Canadian roots of the franchise. And Mark Shapiro has, has missed that opportunity more than once. Well, to, to me, the key thing is it's, there, it's been a lot of years now. And, you know, we, we know what we have uh, with Mark Shapiro, and it's clearly not enough. I don't expect um, that, that the magic always has to be there, that the chemistry always has to be there. You're going to have different owners. You're going to have different management teams. You're going to have different players. They're all going to have their strengths and weaknesses. The issue is, does it work together as a whole? And I think we have to be honest with ourselves. The Blue Jays are not working uh, well as a whole. Uh, and I'll tell you the shame of it, again, from a sport business point of view, $330 million renovation and revamp of Rogers Center. I was there during the summer, and I got to tell you, give credit where credit's due, and Mark Shapiro is responsible for overseeing this as well. We have to you know, be clear about that. Uh, they've done a fantastic job. It's better than I ever imagined it could be. And I walked around the entire concourse and saw things that I never imagined I'd see very, very friendly to the young demographic that the Blue Jays are capturing in a big way. Imagine if they'd won the wild card series and, and, and had a bit of a deep run here. Imagine how much easier it makes selling that $330 million renovation, which is going into its uh, its 
second phase for next season. I've got no doubt that he's a great business guy. I've never had any doubt about that. But great baseball guy, that's really the question. Um, And, you know, I, I will also remind you that when he left the Cleveland Indians, what happened the next year to the Cleveland Indians? They did a whole lot better. Well, we'll leave it at that, but uh, we'll be looking forward to be joined by Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun in the coming weeks for more of a, a Blue Jays uh, post-mortem, and it's a post-mortem that comes a lot earlier than any of the uh, ownership front office and management team of the Toronto Blue Jays, and, and certainly a lot of the media following the team were expecting. Next up. We're joined by our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. It's the beginning of the National Hockey League season next week. What does that mean for the Connors? Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard. That's next, right here on the Sport Market as we continue to rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network. You're listening to The Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. We're back. Tom Manette here at Mission Control, which is Sportsnet 650 Vancouver, hub of the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network. And we're back to you in a show that's 15 years in the making this is our new home and for those of you who have listened to the sport market over the years we so welcome you back with big appreciation and for those of you who today might be new to the show thank you for checking us out we are all about the intersection point of sport and business uh, the bulls and bears of sport business we like to Talk about things that were bullish on the uh, the winners of the week, the, uh, uh, the the growing business propositions in the world of sport, and bearish on those that are making mistakes, uh, taking steps uh, backwards. It's very much about the sport market being the stock market of sport, and it's uh, instead of the stock market, it's the sport market. And make no mistake, there's a lot of ups and downs in that category and someone who has followed the ups and downs from a retail point of view, from a collectibles point of view, from a trading card point of view, an apparel point of view is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. And Ken, thanks so much for uh, taking time out to be with us here on the sport market. Um, I think we've talked about this in in Pastime Radio, the collectible show, uh, which of course uh, also here on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver and and on the sport market uh, radio network. Uh, April or October, uh, what do you think is the best month to be a fan of professional team sports here in North America? Well, I guess that depends on whether you're asking me in April or October. (laughs) I Uh, guess so. I I, I definitely love October with the start of the hockey season. It's a fresh new start for probably the sport I'm most passionate about. Uh, You know, I I really like the hockey and the NFL and, you know, there's there's no better time to watch baseball than during the playoffs. So there's 
there's so many things that uh, are attention grabbers when you're watching it in October. You know, it's interesting. I've gone back and forth on this front, and, and to me, the two most important shoulder seasons are April and October. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You can, as a fan of three-down football, as a fan of the Canadian Football League, you can talk about the party that is the Grey Cup. Uh, as a fan of three, uh, four-down football and the National Football League, you can talk about Super Bowl uh, month, uh, the end of that uh, Super Bowl tournament in the NFL as being, you know, prime time. But in terms of you know, shoulder season with multiple sports in play, there is nothing like October. In fact, October, to your point, is the only couple of weeks of the year in which all five major North American professional sports leagues are playing at the same time. Uh, And it lasts as long as the World Series lasts, but you've got the NBA underway, the NHL underway. That'll happen here over these uh, these next couple of weeks. And from that perspective, it's a biggie. I think the single biggest from a sport business point of view thing that October has that April doesn't have, and you mentioned it, it's the juggernaut that is the National Football League, an almost $20 billion a year industry. And uh, you have the NFL draft in April, and you have a couple of other things like NCAA Final Four and uh, uh, the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. And then you got the playoffs, games mattering most in the NHL and the NBA. But given recent Canadian team performances, there hasn't been a heck of a lot to cheer of late into the spring. So all also asking me, uh, you asking me, um, me asking you here in October, I'm going to say that I'm currently leaning towards October being the best month in sport. And to that end, it's also one of the best months for sport card trading shows here in Canada, Montreal, Toronto, which now has two major shows each year, two major expos each year. Uh, for someone like you, who has been a kid in a candy store all his life, being a collector, now being uh, one of the country's leading uh, uh, experts in trading cards and collectibles. And uh, you've got, of course, uh, the Pastime Sports uh, and Games Network behind you. Uh, uh, How would you describe just the sheer joy that you have at this time of year when so much new product comes into the marketplace and is promoted at trade shows like the one happening this weekend in Montreal and in a couple of weeks in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Toronto? Well, it is, it is definitely a special time of year uh, on, the, you know, on the trade show circuit. Um, the biggest show of the year, of course, is the national in the U.S., uh, which is happens in the middle of the summer. But from a Canadian standpoint, which really focuses so much more on hockey, um, when you start getting into the fall, the, the, the leading trade shows in Canada really follow the hockey uh, calendar, per se. So um, they happen every six months in, in major cities, whether it's Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, um, but it's, you know, they all happen sort of at the beginning and the end of the NHL season. And, you know, our market for new products are really driven by the rookie class. And, you know, we have something really, really special this year in Connor Bedard that's driving the, the market and he hasn't even played an official NHL game yet. 
Well, you know, that's what what I was saying here as we were setting uh, our time with you up is uh, it's a tale of two Connors in the sense that we haven't seen this kind of buzz like we've like we're seeing around Connor Bedard since Connor McDavid uh, back in in, in 2015. Uh, certainly, Connor McDavid. A lot riding on him and um, Leon Dreisaitl being, you know, arguably two of the biggest stars in the National Hockey League playing on the same team. And uh, is this year that they win the Stanley Cup? Connor Bedard probably will not get into the Stanley Cup conversation with the Blackhawks for a while. But there's no question that I can't remember another uh, young buck coming into the league with these kinds of expectations, this kind of buzz, and this kind of highlight real material as a resume. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. They're definitely uh, generational-type players that, that that you see, and you're seeing one in Connor Bedard this year, and previous to that it was... Sidney uh, uh, Crosby. Connor McDavid. Yeah, Connor McDavid. And then prior yeah. to that, we had... Uh, Crosby and Ovechkin and then it was 1990 with Eric Lindros and 85 with Mary Lemieux and 1979 uh, with Wayne Gretzky and so you're going back you know over 40 years Hmm. and you've only got a handful of players that that move the needle uh, the way that this young talent is. We're talking to Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, our trading card expert uh, from Pastime Sports and Games. You can visit him at Ken at PastimeSports.ca. Above and beyond the Connor Bedard uh, phenomenon, what else are you looking uh, to uh, in this NHL season from a national perspective, uh, even if it's from the perspective of the seven Canadian-based franchises? uh, What are you looking for from a a sport apparel point of view? where do you expect the hot markets to be this year? Well, definitely in the Canadian market, you're looking at the Edmonton Oilers with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And of course, the the Leafs have a handful of superstars, you know, leading the pack as Austin Matthews. Um, but the NBA also has a, what what's, they're hoping to be a generational type player in Wimbayama. So, there's there's big names in on multiple fronts, so it should be a pretty exciting time in the collectibles uh, market this this coming fall. It would really be interesting to see, Ken, to your point, uh, the in-season tournament and what uh, impact it has in terms of apparel sales and memorabilia and trading card values. We'll have to monitor that with you in the coming weeks and months. But thanks again for all of your support of the sport market. Thanks again for taking time out uh, to be with us. And you have a terrific rest of the weekend. Wonderful. Thanks for having me and enjoy your weekend. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. He's also co-host of Pastime Radio, the collectible show that you can listen to right here at Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver and on the Sport Market Radio Network. Next up, some closing bell thoughts on the disappointment that is the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. You're listening to us right in the bait, the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market Radio Network and on the Sportsnet Radio Network headquartered at Sportnet 6, Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. Swing and a miss! 
finally, 21 years in the making, and the Twins advance with a victory in two straight over Toronto, and they will meet the Houston Astros in the ALDS. So, Blue Jays fans, it feels like a long time, but it's not 22 years and 18 consecutive postseason losses. That's what the Minnesota Twins we're carrying into this wild card series in the American League against the Toronto Blue Jays. Certainly, now the frustration continues to build and questions around the window, the window of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the window of Bo Bichette and the team that is built around them, including, of course, uh, George Springer. Uh, got a big chunk of the starting rotation under contract, so you'd expect that uh, they'd still have one of the best pitching staffs in Major League Baseball going into the 2024 season, but a lot of free agents in other positions, a lot of other question marks for the Jays. From a sport business point of view, it's a performance business. It's ultimately the business of sport is the business of winning. From a real point of view, it's the business of fan engagement. You can engage fans and continue to sell out without winning. But in this highly competitive day and age where there's so much television exposure to so many different sports, you certainly want the winning in your back pocket and the fan engagement following from that. And the Jays are at an interesting cusp. They're in an interesting point in that process. I can't recall a more frustrated, disappointed, angry fan base than I saw this week. Now, much of it is, of course, you can't compare it to the pre-social media era, but even in the social media era, even going back to the losses in 2015 and 2016, where there were high expectations there as well, it just wasn't nearly so angry, nearly so much pent up frustration. And that's what Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins are going to be dealing with. And they've got a lot of pressure on themselves because again, in a performance-based business, you expect not to be tenured for life. And certainly I think you want to be very measured and careful whenever you do make changes. You don't want to change your front office, change your management like you're changing your, your underwear but you certainly want to show to your fans that you're committed to putting the best possible product on the field and see it managed in the best possible way and see it general managed in, 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 in the composition of a roster that can keep up with the Joneses in the increasingly difficult American League East. This is an American League East that used to be heavy traffic with the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Now... In recent years, you've thrown the Tampa Bay Rays in there in arguably one of the most efficient use of resources and contract value in professional sport, let alone baseball. Now you've got the young Baltimore Orioles. So things aren't going to get easier. And that's why I think change is inevitable, not only in the roster, on the field, but in the dugout and in the management team, you expect that there will be some changes because I'm not sure that the fan base continues to buy into 
the business of the Toronto Blue Jays with at least some acknowledgement that there's been something just a little bit off about this team this year. You've been listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network Network. 